There's a word from the Lord this morning as we prepare to conclude this series entitled God's Stimulus Package. This is the seventh message in this series. We began on April the 19th with the first message entitled When You Go Through. Then we shared with you when our backs are against the wall, when we pray, when we trust in the Lord our God, when we call on the Lord, when we wait on the Lord. Notice each message began with the words, when we, not if we, but when we. God's stimulus package is intended to encourage us to stimulate our spirits. An economic stimulus package is a set of incentives by a government to prompt up an economy, to breathe life into an economy whose back is against the wall. Someone said when they were debating the 2020 CARES Act economic stimulus package that it was just a handout. But then perhaps the best answer or response I heard was somebody that said, it is not a handout, it is an investment. It is an investment into the economy, but even more importantly, into the future. And I thought about that. And God says, when we go through our spiritual dry places, when we go through our valley experiences, God sends his stimulus package, which is the word of God. And God says it is an investment in our lives so that the enemy can get no glory so that it can, for a time, does prompt us up, hold us up. It breathes life into us. Just like the analogy when Ezekiel saw the valley of dry bones. God says, I breathe life. In that analogy in the book of Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel to speak his word over the dry bones. It is the same with us. Perhaps some of you have gone through something. We all are. Perhaps we are experiencing a crisis unlike we've ever seen before. And God says, I'll speak a word into your situation. <laughs> and son of man, he eyes Ezekiel, shall these bones live? <laughs> Ezekiel said, Lord, you know. God says, I do know. And I know that there shall be life where the enemy thought there would never be life again. And so with that in mind, we now introduce to you what is the final message of this series. We share with you this final message of this series, a series of messages from God, uh, a, a group of messages from God that is encouraged to invest in our future. The text 
is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, reading from the NIV, the New International Version. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, beginning at the sixth verse, Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up, listen to these words, in due time. Verse number seven, cast all your anxieties. King James says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says in verse 9, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Listen to this, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You are not in this by yourself. <laughs> verse 10, and the God of all grace, who, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered uh, a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power uh, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> we ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. This seventh message of this series is simply entitled, When This Is Over. When this is over. We're in the midst of a crisis doing a crisis. Uh, earlier this year, sometimes in February, we started to realize that uh, there was a pandemic that was sweeping the world. And even contrary, perhaps, to what uh, some leaders said, it did come here to the United States. And it did not just blow away in a couple of days. Hundreds of thousands of people across the world have died. Over 110,000 in America. We are now approaching 2 million Americans that are infected with COVID-19. Health professions will tell us that for everyone that we've detected, there are probably three that we have not. So you can estimate that there are perhaps are five million plus people that are walking around with the disease. In fact, one of my personal physicians said to me just on last week that he suspect that in South Carolina alone, there are over 150 to 200,000 people that are infected with COVID-19. We're in a crisis. And then on top of that, we have for the last several weeks experienced social unrest. 
We have seen the atrocity that happened uh, with the law enforcement officers in Minneapolis. There's absolutely no excuse for what has happened. Many people have rightly so taken to the streets to express their frustration, to express their disappointment in not just that situation, but situations like that that have happened all over this country. It has called our attention to a crisis. But remember, we are already in a crisis. So in the midst of a pandemic, we hit a social pandemic. We're in the crisis. People are scratching their heads. They're all wondering, how is this going to end? When will this end? Uh, but perhaps the most appropriate question that should be asked is not, Lord, when is it going to end? But how will we come out of this? If you're going through a personal crisis in your life, perhaps the question that you should wrestle with is, Lord, how am I going to be when this is over? How are we going to come out of this? Will we be bitter or better? Will we become jaded or will we be thankful? Will our faith become weaker or will, in fact, our faith becomes stronger? See, that is not a corporate question. That is not a community question. That is an individual question you have to ask yourself. I must confess, looking at the unrest, there, there was a part of all of us that just wanted to be bitter and angry. And God says that won't solve anything. But God said when this is all over, will we as a nation, will you as a people, will you as an individual become better? And in the midst of all of that, what I've realized, despite the fact I may be a public official and a pastor, is, is that I can't make the world better. <laughs> Only God can. What my job is, is to make myself better and hopefully be the light that the world can see that someone can decide I am going to become better and not bitter. We all go through something. It is said, listen to this, my brothers and sisters, that a crisis can present us with an unexpected opportunity for something wonderful and transformational to occur in our lives. And I mean this, a crisis can be, please don't take this the wrong way, just what the Lord ordered. For you to understand what your life is all about and what should occur in life. There's a wonderful quote uh, that have often been made about the Chinese symbol for crisis. But the late president, John F. Kennedy, used it in a speech. John F. Kennedy is quoted, and he shares this, and I put it on the board for you to see. 
the late President Kennedy is quoted as saying, as relates to opportunities in the midst of a crisis, he says, and I quote, written in Chinese, listen to this, the word crisis composed of two characters. There are two characters there on the board uh, that makes up the word crisis written in Chinese. One represents danger, but the other represents opportunity. We'll leave it on the board. Take your phone and take a picture of it if you're home so that you can have this. In the midst of any kind of crisis you go through, there are two things that a crisis brings. It brings danger, but it also, thank you, brings an opportunity. President Clinton said, President Clinton has used that. President Kennedy have used that. President Barack Obama all have talked about how in the midst of a crisis, we can choose to become better and not bitter. So the question is this. Here's what the Lord said to me. The question for us today is this. What happens when this is over? Will you go back to being your same old way? Will we as a society go back to being selfish and egotistical and it's all about us? Uh, in other words, after this, and we're going to deal with this even on Tuesday night, but after this, will we seize the opportunity and allow something good to come out of what we've been through? <laughs> Listen to me. And I'm not just talking about the United States of America. I'm not just talking about the state of South Carolina, but God is speaking to us as an individual. After this, will you allow something good to come out of this? I will tell you to those of you whose family has ever survived the crisis, you know that it can do one of two things. It can make you bitter as a family or better. You can come together and you can say, we survived the worst of this. Ooh. We held hands. We embraced. We went through this together. And as a result of this, we refused to let the enemy get any glory. We have become better. The question to us as individuals today is that when this is over, not if it is over, but when it is over, because this too will pass, can we say, Lord, uh, I am better. Lord, I, I've, I've gone through something and I've become better. Listen, there's a wonderful scripture that is found in Psalms 119 and verse 71. The New Living Translation puts it in a way that I love. Listen to what the psalmist Writes, Brother Bill, the psalmist says, my suffering was good for me. <laughs> Thank you. It, it takes someone with faith to say this. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. And even if you read this, the next verse, and you don't have to put that on the screen, but go home and read it. It will tell you that as a result of me 
learning more about you, Lord, I became stronger. Ah, some of us regret that. It says, here it is, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Uh, we pursue the wrong things. What we ought to do is thank the enemy for just allowing us to have the opportunity to go through hardships because it made you strong. It is, according to the psalmist in verse 72, more valuable to your life than gold and silver. It will do more for you than a check in the mail. Don't you know when you have survived the worst of it, when you have taken the devil's licking and keep on ticking. One of my greatest analogies is a sports analogy of, of, of Muhammad Ali and his great fight with George Foreman. And Ali adopted a unique strategy. And it was called, even now in the vernacular, we call it the ropey dope, in which he just laid on the ropes and he allowed big, strong George Foreman to beat on him for round after round, but he did not go down. And what Foreman realized in an interview some years later, Foreman said, he defeated me in my mind because I kept saying, if this guy can take my best punch, and still call me names and still look at me and smile, then there's something in him that would never allow me to knock him out. Uh, the enemy ought to say of us, I've given her my best shot. I tried to destroy her family. I tried to drive him crazy. I, helped, I took their job. I took everything, but every morning she wakes up and say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. God is good all the time. When you take the enemy's best shot and still praise God, what you tell the enemy is your crisis has become your opportunity. Ooh, your crisis has become your launching pad not your burial ground. Can I preach? I wish I can preach. Somebody ought to help me virtually and just say amen. You've got an opportunity to make your crisis either your launching pad or your burial ground. Excuse me, I refuse to allow it to bury me. I, I will use it to launch me into a different atmosphere. Ah, the psalmist said again, it was good for me that I was afflicted. My sufferings uh, were good for me, for it brought me closer to the Lord. Listen, as we approach the text, this powerful text, the question that we must all wrestle with is what happens when it's over in your life. After this, will we seize the opportunity to allow something good to come out of what we've been through? Perhaps the answer is found in this text. In this powerful short epistle written by a no-nonsense apostle by the name of Peter. What I like so much about Peter's writings 
is that unlike John, it's not that deep. You don't, you don't have to, from a theological standpoint, try to figure out. John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. John was deep. He was great. Paul's writings were so prolific. Paul writes so many things, and he writes in, in, in depth, and he can also write the simplest of things, and we know that all things work together for good. Paul writes, and we know uh, this. But Peter, <laughs> straight to the point. That's why the Gospel of St. Mark, which many believe was recorded by Peter and Mark dictated, is perhaps one of my favorite Gospels of all. Peter writes this brief but very powerful epistle to a group, listen to this, of suffering believers. And the time frame in which he writes it is so important. It is believed that he writes this around A.D. 64. Why is that so important? For it was in the midst of the horrific persecution on the Emperor Nero. A.D. 64 is when many believe that the Apostle Paul lost his life on Nero's chopping block. Just to put it in some context so that you can understand. These New Testament believers, uh, Jesus had now uh, been gone about 30 years and the church was flourishing even in the midst of persecution. In fact, the book of Acts said the more they persecuted them, the more the church grew. People met from house to house. They never wavered on their faith. And because Rome now had turned against this new thing called Christianity, they were persecuting Christians. They took some believers and put them in the arenas for just the entertainment of people, put them in clothing of animals and allowed wild animals to devour their bodies. Peter writes this epistle not only to encourage, but also to comfort these believers. And he knew that as they were going through persecution, as they were preparing for even greater persecution, that he had to speak a word into their spirit, God's stimulus package. He knew that they needed something to help them be grounded in the midst of a crisis. And so in five short chapters, Peter uses the word suffering 16 times. 16 times in five chapters, Peter, and I told you he was a no-nonsense writer, he uses the word suffering. In other words, he wanted these believers to know that yes, we love the Lord, but we are going to have to go through something. This is not unusual that you're going through this. And although Peter speaks of their severe suffering, these faithful believers were experiencing, he also speaks of their hope in Christ Jesus. Peter wanted them to know that even in the midst of your trials and your tribulation, there is still hope. Wanted them to know that even in the midst of what you're going through, there is still hope. Don't lose your hope just because you're going through a rough time in your life. And Peter wanted them to know that God has not forgotten about you. 
So he begins uh, this, this epistle and he writes it and he gets to the fifth and the final chapter of this epistle and he begins to wrap it up and in verse six, uh, he writes that if they would humble themselves, look at verse six, if they would humble themselves under God's almighty hand, that he may, God may lift them up and look at how this verse ends, in due time. In other words, I can't tell you exactly when it's gonna be over, but I'm telling you it will be. It's gonna be over in due time. Just stay humble. Just stay under the mighty hand of God. Just say, Lord, I need you. My family needs you. I don't know how we can come out of this, but by you. And God will in due time at the right season. Paul writes, and be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap a harvest of blessings if you faint not. Peter says, God has not forgotten about you. God keeps time. God knows uh, when you've had enough. God knows when it's time to usher in transition and change it uh, from bad to good. But stay humble. Ooh. Humble yourselves and watch God in due time turn it around. He goes on in verse 7 of the text to write these words. He says, and to cast, that, that Greek word cast is more than just gradually lay it there. It means to do it emphatically, to cast it as if you're throwing a net. Throw it with force. Take your problems and say, Lord, you have them. Uh, the good thing about the shutdown is it has made us realize that an altar can be anywhere. <laughs> doesn't have to be at church. It can be at your house. It can be anywhere you are. There's an altar. And what Peter says is to take all your anxieties, take all your worry, take all your cares and cast them on the Lord. Give them to God. Tell God, here it is, God. I can't do it. I can't fix my family. I can't make things better. Only you can do this. And then he ends verse 7 and says, why? Because God cares for you. <laughs> Even in the midst of this, you see, many of us have given our problems over to people who genuinely do not care for us. We don't even know it. We share, and, and in this age of social media, everybody know every hiccup in your life. Uh, if you burnt, people know it. If you got hiccups, people know it. If you can't sleep at night, everybody know And people all over in the universe, even those who are trolling against our joy, are not praying for us. Uh, Peter says, take all your cares and before you send them on social media, get down on your knees and give it to the Lord. Take it to God in prayer and leave it there and watch God make a way. He says, genuinely God cares for us. And then Peter in verses 18, and nine. Verse 8, 
is so powerful. Peter then writes these words. Remember, these were saints who were being persecuted. He says, and be alert and be of sober mind. Don't be foolish. Don't be intoxicated. Don't get persuaded to do foolish stuff. Be of sober mind. Why? Because then he brings it home. He says, for your enemy. And then he defines who the enemy is. It is not Nero. Your enemy is the devil. We've got to realize that we've got one enemy and it doesn't live in the White House and it's not in a governor's mansion or in a state house. Our enemy is the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against a higher, more wicked power. It is the devil. He says, you need to know this, your enemy. And then he identifies who the enemy is. In case we miss it, he says, your enemy is the devil. I don't know who you've been arguing with. Some of you have not spoken to folk in a long time. Perhaps you need to just write a simple message to somebody, you're not my enemy. (laughs) Uh, because I don't care what they may have done to you. They're not your enemy. That's why you can pray for those who despitefully use you. Peter goes on to say, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I gave you the example of what Nero was doing to these believers, okay? Nero would take sheepskin and put them in sheepskin and put them in the arena and allow wild lions to go and eat their bodies. But Peter says, that's not your problem. (laughs) Uh, What they do to your body is nothing compared to what the devil wants to do to your life. He says, your real enemy, not Nero, is prowling around like a roaring lion. He's seizing on every weakness in your life. Every time you make a negative statement about yourself, I can't make it, I'm about to give up, I don't like this, the enemy takes advantage of that. For he only knows what we tell him. He only sees what we show him. When you wake up in the morning and declare, even before the day starts, that this is going to be a bad day, the enemy says, thank you for the alert. But when you get up and say, though he slit me, yet will I trust him. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall always be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You've got to praise God like you already come out of it. You've got to give God your best praise even in the midst of your worst situation. Do not allow the enemy to control your psyche for he is as a roaring lion. Look at verse number 9. Peter says, but resist him standing firm in the faith because you know and here's the key the devil is a liar you're not the only one who's going through something like this for you know that the family of believers throughout the world that family is undergoing the same 
kind of sufferings. Perhaps that's why this virtual worship is so important because we can connect with people all over the world and say, you're not the only one. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. But then the heart of chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. So profound, so powerful. And I would tell you if these verses aren't highlighted in your U version or in your Bibles, you need to go and do that. For here is Peter wrapping this dissertation up. Peter writes in verses 10 and 11, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Three things that Peter speaks in these two verses. Three important things that are important as we begin to look at what God's doing in these verses. Number one is this. We serve a God of grace. <laughs> it is through grace. It is because of God's grace. It was grace that woke you up this morning. And the God of all grace. Nothing has done for you like the grace of God. Peter tells these believers who could have given up. He tells these believers who could have thrown the tower in. Peter says to them, we serve a God of grace. I'm talking to someone this morning. I want you to hear me. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is a God of grace. The grace of God will take you through it. The grace of God will give you the strength to endure the worst of it. Somebody, wherever you are, ought to thank God for grace. Just lift those hands and say, Lord, I thank you for your amazing grace. The songwriter said that, save the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace. It is grace. It is because of God's grace. Second key takeaway that Peter makes in these most profound verses. Peter says in that second key takeaway this, our sufferings, please look at this my brothers and sisters, he says our sufferings will not last forever. <laughs> look at verse number 10. After, the word after, after you have suffered a little while. It only is going to happen after you've been through it. After you have suffered a little while, you've got to go through something. Somebody just declare right now, Lord, I've got to go through this. 
Lord, I've got to go through this. Don't, don't take it away, but give me the strength to come through it. Because I need it in my life. If, if you take it away, I may miss an opportunity for you to do something wonderful in my life. Our suffering will not last forever. After you have suffered a little while, somebody right now, perhaps you've just buried a loved one. Perhaps your body is ragged with pain. Perhaps you're going through something right now. I'm hearing God says, when this is over, God's going to do something incredible in your life. Uh, if you were here, I would tell you to look at somebody and say, you've got to go through it. <laughs> and say, you have to endure it. But the word after is so important. Peter says, after this is over. After the suffering has ended. And it only will last for a little while. It may seem like it's forever with us, but it's almost over. Here's the third and the last one. God will, (laughs) when it is over, what are you going to do, Lord? What are you going to do, Lord? God says, God will restore us, making us strong, making you firm, and making you steadfast. (laughs) When this is over, you're going to praise God like you've never praised him before. You're going to come through something like you've never come through before. God says, I'll make you strong. I'll make you firm. I'll make you steadfast. Somebody right now, wherever you are, I need you to join in with me and take a moment if you can and stop what you're doing. Stand to your feet and lift those hands. And God told me to tell you to do this for just the next few seconds. Begin to thank God for what you're going through right now. Begin to clap those hands. Come on, somebody. Clap those hands right now. Thank him. Tell God I needed that. Tell God thank you. It did not take me out. It did not take me out. Come on, praise him. Come on. God's got something with your name on it. God's got something with your name on it. God says, I've got a blessing with your name on it. But it only happens when this is over. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you praise God as you're going through it, knowing that when it's over, Come on, Zion. Believers all over the world, New York City, wherever you are, this.
when it's over. That's right, that's right. Come on, come on. Come on. Do me a favor. I can't see you, but you can see me. Just walk around with your hands waved up in the air. Say, when it's over. Come on, pray, see. When it's over. When it's over. When it's over. Leap for joy one time and say, when it's some worshipers somebody saturate your house saturate your house with faith listen Here's what I declare. Ooh, as Sister Lanisha Tindall and the worship team comes with this song that I love so much. Leandra Johnson wrote this song. It's so simple. It simply says, better days. In, in fact, I want us to create something. Take your phones out, your iPads, get on social media and just put the word better days in quotation and then put under that when this is over. <laughs> Woo! Better days, Jan. <laughs> Pastor Mac, better days. Woo! Ah, Sister Marsha, better days. Sometimes the song says it feels so cold and you feel all alone. But hold on. Woo. Better days are coming. It can be rough in this world. I know it ain't easy. But hang on in there. <laughs> I know something. I know something. I know something. I know something. Paul writes, and this I know. I know something. I know something. I know something. Woo! I know better days are coming. It's a faith statement. It doesn't say the better days have come. It says it's coming. It takes faith to declare the best in the midst of the worst. When you're going through something, it takes faith. Woo. Come on, Sister Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Woo, listen. Sometimes. Sing your song, girl. Woo. Woo. Sing it, sing it, yeah. It feels cold. <laughs> and you feel all alone. Somebody need to lose themselves. But hold on. Better day. It ain't easy. Hang ah. on in there. 
Joseph declares in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, what you meant for evil, God intended it for my good. So we are declaring and decreeing to somebody, when this is over, better days are coming. We know it. We know it because God has declared it. One more time before we pray. Come on and tell them again. Yeah, yeah. number that is on the screen right now 888-776-1238 we've got prayer counselors there to pray with you right now we are live this is not a recording we are live we we are taking your calls right now we we will pray you through what you're going through right now i leave you with this 10th verse again the second clause in the 10th verse Peter writes after you have suffered a little while <laughs> God himself will restore you and make you strong and make you firm and make you steadfast but it only happens after you have suffered a little while let us pray eternal father we thank you we bless your name thank you lord for reminding us even in the midst of whatever we're going through we've got to go through it but we declare to every enemy from the pits of hell when we come through this we are going to be better not bitter stronger not weaker we will have more joy not less of it and we say thank you thank you Lord for withholding us as we have gone through this and even in the midst of this crisis we see an opportunity an opportunity for others to get to know you, to praise you, to turn their lives around. Thank you, Lord, for it is already done. This is our prayer in your son, Jesus, the Christ's name we pray and give thanks. And those who know it is so, join in with the praise team and worship with us just again by declaring better days uh, if you want to be saved you call that number right now amen you don't have to stay in the shape that you're in if you want to join this ministry 
You don't have to live in South Carolina, wherever you are. The church is virtual now, amen. We can pray for you, wherever you are. Just call and say, I want to be connected to this ministry. I want you all to constantly pray for me and my family. Come on, better days. coming. Thank you so much to Pastor Jackson. Amen. In the last sermon for the series, God's Stimulus Package, right before we go into our Holy Communion service, we want to say that if these services are a blessing to you, we ask that you let us know. And we thank you so much for the contributions that you have given to this ministry. And we encourage you to continue to give to the ministry there's an item on our giving card that says faith offering and we're halfway through the year and God has given our pastor the vision to use this offering to pay off our mortgage and we're happy to report that by the end of the year, by the end of the year, even during the pandemic, we would have paid off the mortgage and, mortgage and it's because of your giving in the faith offering. So we ask that you continue to give your faith offering. Our members know that God uh, has allowed it to lay it on a pastor heart for us to get $500. But to those of you that are viewing, whatever God wants you to give, we ask that you help us in that endeavor. And now we're getting ready to go into our Holy Communion service. We're going to ask if our praise team will give us a communion selection. Then we'll come back with our scripture. The blood that Jesus shed for me, way back on Calvary. From day to day, it will never lose its power. Oh, I'm glad that it reaches to the high. 
Come on, tell them that it flows. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, yeah. Come on, sing. The blood. Help us sing it. That gives me strength from Holy Communion, we ask to those of you that are viewing us virtually, if you would get some juice and a piece of bread to partake in these holy sacraments with us. Our scripture says, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this bread that represents your body god we thank you god for this wine that represents the blood that you shed we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on calvary and as the scripture says without the shedding of the blood there will be no remissions of sins and we thank you for that in jesus name we pray amen the scripture says once again on the same night in which he was betrayed he said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for as often as you do this you do it in remembrance of me let us all commune together Thank you so much for participating in our Holy Communion virtually. And we pray that this communion service and these services were a blessing to you and your family. With uplifted hands for our benediction. Father, we thank you for the word of God. God, we thank you for this last message, God's stimulus package. And when this is over, God, we know that we're going to be better. Now, God, dismiss us from this place, never from your presence. Let us find peace as we return to our destinations. It's in your name we pray, and all of God's children said amen. It will never lose its power. 
like to thank everyone for tuning in to our live broadcast. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. We want to hear from you. We'll be doing a survey to see how you feel about returning to in-person worship. Be on the lookout for an email or a phone call so you can share your feedback with us. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If this service was a blessing to you, please share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, please be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.